Hey guys, welcome to the Bill Barnwell Show. I am Bill Barnwell. Today, I'm joined by the Athletics' Nate Tice to break down the first place teams in the AFC. Yes, the Dolphins, the Titans, the Ravens, and the Chiefs. We'll break down what's going on for them schematically through the first 11-ish games. I can't do the math. 11-ish games of the season. We're also going to talk about the U.S. men's national team because we are soccer nerds and just have to talk about what happened. It's been a very exciting group stage. But before all that, wanted to tell you guys about another podcast that probably does not discuss either of these things, but talks about basketball at the highest possible level. That's The Low Post with Zach Lowe, of course, bringing you conversations about all things basketball with the smartest people in the business. Now, twice a week, listen to The Low Post wherever you are listening to this very podcast. And now, here's Nate Tice breaking down the U.S. national team, but first, the top teams in the AFC. All right, joining me now, here as promised, on the Bill Barnwell Show, a man for whom just everything is happening these days. A busy man during the football season, usually with his writing and, of course, his podcast, The Athletic Football Show, that occasionally also features Robert Mays. But in addition, a man who is a new father and a man who is celebrating the U.S.'s advancement out of the group stage into the round of 16 in the Men's World Cup, it is The Athletic's Nate Tice. Nate, of those various things, which is most important and most exciting for you here at the end of November? Obviously, Christian Pulisic. <laughs> yes, no, but being a new father has been wonderful. I wouldn't consider myself a Renaissance man, but maybe like a late Dark Ages <laughs> man, a medieval man. Uh, but no, it's been an, a fall of the Roman Empire yes. man. Like that's that's what I am. But no, it's it's been great. It's been an eventful couple of weeks. The NFL season is always eventful. Trying to find some blocking receiver that I like or some run plugging defensive tackle. But no, this holiday season has been awesome. On, on top of it, got to watch one of the matches with you, true. which was uh, which was really nice. You actually hung out with me and my my dad and my brother-in-law and we watched the match together and had a really nice time. I'm glad we got to do we got that. a we got a point out of it. I think if, if we did if it had been if we had lost, we watched the England match together in, in full disclosure. If we had if the U.S. had, let's can't say we, I'm being professional. If the U.S., the, the <laughs> team which I am neutrally discussing here on this podcast, had lost, I think that would have been the last time we ever could have watched a match together. So I'm happy that we got a point out of it. On top of it, I got that uh, that that kit that that kit jersey that uh, oh, nice. I ordered, and you asked me about it. It came on it came Monday, and so I got to wear it for the match yesterday. And I said to my wife, I go, you know. If, we lose. I, I'm burning <laughs> this. Like I can never wear it again. So I get to wear it this weekend against the Netherlands. So I'm kind of fired up. So it's one and zero. So just far. want to point out that the U.S. had not won a World Cup group match in eight years, I believe. I think the Ghana match was the last wow. time. And you get the new kit, and suddenly we pick up three points. So I just feel like maybe this is I a don't good know. luck kit for us as we enter the so. knockout stages we're just going to have to win the world cup to prove the point is what it boils down it's to. a little it's a little different too because that win was a late john brooks header yep. and now we like to get a lead and just like <laughs> go into it go into a terrifying shell which is a lot less fun than trying to chase a lead i think that was uh i'm not enjoying the shell tactics for the final 45 minutes of a match that is just it's a terrifying way to live is there an nfl team 
you could compare the U.S. to where they're just dominant in the first half of games, maybe even the first three quarters of games, and then just once 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 the stars get tired, you're just holding on for dear life for the final 15, 20 minutes. My dad's Vikings team. <laughs> that might be one. Uh, someone said uh, Philadelphia Eagles era Andy. Reed. Yes, someone brought that up, which I thought was actually a very good comparison. That's what that's what the era of Patrick Mahomes does. You don't remember any of that. You don't remember clock management Andy mm-hmm. Reid anymore. Those jokes have gone by the wayside because they just blow so many teams mm-hmm. out now. Mm-hmm. That's the way to do it. At this year's yep. Ravens, maybe the closest one for me. Ah. But yes. but the Ravens lose those games. The U.S. so far has drawn or or won those games. And actually, you know what? We can start with the Ravens because we're going to talk about we'll talk about some U.S. national team stuff at the end, I believe. But we're going to talk about the four first place teams in the AFC here on the show. Uh, so oh, that's how you did this. Okay, that yes. actually makes a lot more sense. That's <laughs> the tie through. Hey, I work with a guy that loves his segues, so it, it's uh, as you know, he's one of the best at the segues. So this makes a lot more sense now to me. He's top <laughs> top seven hundred podcast segue uh, host, if you ask me. Uh, that guy. Let's we'll hit on the four teams here. Yeah, I chose the first place team in each division. A couple of ties, so I chose the team that's actually in first place. Apologies to Bengals fans. Apologies to oh, Bills fans. That's why I chose this top four here. Rust Belt's going to get out. You're telling me. Dolphins fans need no pretense to get angry about something on the internet these days. So, uh, did you see the clip I posted of Tua? I made sure, (laughs) made sure to build up some goodwill. (laughs) I, I will, I will say that. Uh, say what you want about Dane Cook. He had one of my favorite jokes ever, and he was talking about giving candy to the smelly kid. And he would say, (laughs) He said, when the person snaps, they'll remember that. That's what I'm doing with Dolphins fans right now. I just called you a bunch of smelly kids. Yeah, I was so going to say, it seems like you're not actually complimenting for... them. <laughs> but it was a great throw from Tua. He's progressing on a backside dig. So, yeah, uh, there you go, Tua. Did you see? I, I'm, I'm, I'm throwing it out. Did to you see you. the clip of Mike McDaniel talking to Tua about his high school tape? Oh, no. He was like, oh, you were terrible in high school. That's amazing. <laughs> That's awesome. And apparently, Tua like has like some the like confidence issues on that stuff. Cause he like has to say stuff in my mirror in the mirror mm-hmm. every day. Like, am I good? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Maybe I don't know if that's reverse, reverse psychology for Mike McDaniel, <laughs> but who knows is everything he's doing is working so far. So shout out to him. Yes. We will talk about the dolphins in a moment. I already pitched to the Raven segue. So I have to stick with that now. Yes. So yes. I will start you with this, Nate, you know, I'm a numbers guy, you know, I'm a nerd and DVOA stat. I'm very fond of from football outsiders, a place I used to work years and years ago. Loves the Ravens. Says the Ravens have the fifth best offense in football this year. If you go by EPA per play, expected points added per play, the Ravens are 11th in the league. But a lot of that is tied up in the first three weeks of the year when the Ravens were really impressive on offense. And since week four, from week four forward, they are 19th in EPA per play. So from your perspective, leaving the numbers aside, just having to watch so many teams and so many offenses around the NFL, which of those three numbers, 5, 11, or 19, most accurately characterizes how you feel about the Ravens and their offense right now? 19. 19. Wow. Yeah, and I know in the first, I actually, you know, I've had my criticisms of Greg Roman in the past, and 
Um, I still have some, but the first month, the first six weeks of the season, the Mitch thing. I used to do drugs. I still do, but I used to I still do. <laughs> uh, no, but Greg Roman is an escalator that broke down. You know, he still stares, uh, but the, no, with uh, shout out to the Minnesotan Mitch Hedberg, uh, but he, with Roman, it's that his passing game is still very JV ish, uh, very junior varsity. And that is still a frustration I have with him, especially now with Rashad Bateman out. And now they're relying on players like Demarcus or Demarcus Robinson and players like Deshaun Jackson, which stunned me. All of a sudden I see him catch the ball. And I'm like, oh, that's right. You signed with the Ravens. <laughs> is that a different Deshaun Jackson? No, you know one. how like there's been 20 Mike Williams yes. over the years. It's like, okay, is this a different one? Yeah. So, but no, it was the same Deshaun Jackson, as we know, catching a deep ball. Um, but no, this, this offense is, it goes through Lamar. Lamar is a unique talent and it has to get the most out of them, it does have to be unique as far as the run game. But I do think Lamar as the pocket passer has been playing the best as he ever has. Um, I think he has been scrambling. The last time I checked, it was a couple of weeks ago, so don't come after me if, I, if this is wrong, anybody. Um, he was scrambling at the lowest rate. He was throwing most times from the pocket. Uh, I think uh, uh, throws uh, that took longer than three seconds uh, was at his lowest rate, which showed to me that he was trying to work from the pocket and find these throws. Uh, The game against the Dolphins earlier in the year, Mm -hmm. one of the leads that they blew was tremendous. It was so cool watching him just sit there and throw over routes one after another um, to Mark Andrews or throwing a hitch route against a blitz to Rashad Bateman. Mm -hmm. And, but that's the thing is that I was seeing some adjustments that Greg Roman had made. They were not getting blitzed out of stuff. Like they were not getting it to empty. They had an adjustment against the Dolphins and it was pretty cool. I was like, Hey, shout out to Greg Roman. You put in some work this <laughs> offseason. The problem is he's kind of gone into panic mode in the last few weeks. Uh, the Carolina Panthers game to me was very disappointing um, in the sense that he they weren't moving the ball. I, I could tell as they wanted to. So he would get into empty and they would without the adjustments that he had shown early in the week. And it was just the adjustment they would make was they would motion the tight end over and have him part of the slide and it would help clean up everything. Um, and it just... Lamar got sacked, I believe, three times when they went to empty, I think out of 11 times. And it was not, uh, it was Brian Burns as a free runner. Mm -hmm. And so that is always the thing to me is that he does a lot of things that are redundant. Um, They do not do the, they'll max protect, but then throw hitches, Mm -hmm. like real short routes. You max protect to launch balls down the field. Mm -hmm. Um, You already have a run game. You do not need to throw underneath. Lamar has great arm strength. He can whip any ball in there. He can launch the ball. He can throw dig routes. Mm -hmm. And it just seems to me that there's just a lot of redundancy in this offense. And that's what it's always going to be. Like I said, Lamar centric to his strengths and weaknesses, but it just seems to me that a lot of times Greg Roman goes into a shell, much like Greg Berhalter goes into a <laughs> shell uh, when things aren't, aren't clicking. And this is a guy, you know, that someone had the stat yesterday. A lot of the plays come in late mm-hmm. because he has a huge play call sheet mm-hmm. every week. He's a classic West coast guy. As far as that and that, I don't think you need to do that. You got Lamar, you got a great run game. Yes, they've had injuries, but I do think that 19th ranking, it's somewhere between 11th and 19th mm-hmm. is how I feel about them. Um, but so I, I do still have the same frustrations. There's no easy buttons. Yeah. There's no. There's not a lot of nakeds. There's not a lot of screens. And when they do call screens, it's the one that's Patrick Ricard, which everybody <laughs> has memed at this point. Uh, but it's true. And that's what's frustrating with it. It's just that the easy buttons don't make sense to me uh, with a team that already has a, an amazing weapon in Lamar. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm always waiting for those change-ups and you never really see them. How many, how many different ways can you call deep over uh, in the playbook? Cause that's <laughs> the only, uh, that's not the only path I've seen play they run, but it's some oversimplifying 
what the offense is. It's their best play. Sure. So I, I guess credit to hitting the, you know, it, it's like uh, you play like an RPG, like Pokemon or something like that. And you're just like, you know, it's effective. It's super effective. And then as you use it more and more, it's like, it's less effective, you know, like as you use it more and more and more, but they, they try to find as many over as possible. A, I, I will say that a wild middle of the field safety appears. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I, I wonder about Greg Roman, you know, because this might be true of all offensive coordinators and all schemes, but it feels like maybe more so with Greg Roman, there's a, how can I put this nicely? It feels like he doesn't age very well in the places he goes. San Francisco. Yeah comes to mind where when they were running that offense with Colin Kaepernick, that offense seemed to fade and get worse each year, um, which some which could have been Kaepernick getting hurt, some of which could have been personnel issues. Um, but it felt like by the end of his time there, it kind of felt like everyone was ready to move on. Um, with the Bills, of course, he was, I, I think he scapegoated a little bit by Rex Ryan, but, but right. offense had some success with Tyrod Taylor and then struggled more uh, the longer he was there. And now with the Ravens, of course, you know, when he took over, Lamar had the MVP year. Offense is going great. Everyone's still the back Greg Roman. And now I would say most Ravens fans are, depends on the week, of course, most Ravens fans are pretty sick of Greg Roman as their offensive coordinator. So do you think there's an inevitability to sort of defenses figuring out this Greg Roman offense? And if you were John Harbaugh or you know, the, the, the brain trust there in Baltimore, would you be considering making a move this off season if the offense doesn't get better over the course of the rest of the season? Yeah, I, I, I would, I, there, I do always want to credit him and, and the creative run game stuff that they do do, right. That they use with Lamar and ha- actually some innovative stuff. I will say that stuff, you know, that, that they look to college ranks to run these counterplays that a lot more teams do now. You'll see Josh Allen run it. You see Jalen Hurts run it. You'll see the Bears now run it with Justin Fields. So I do want to credit him for having some innovation. But again, like you said, that was early in the career in the Ravens. It's not like he's added on to that stuff this year, this season. So I do think they do have to, they, they brought in a couple of new coaches and they said that that's going to revamp their passing game. And it's the exact same passing game that we've seen in the past. And so that shows me that's still Greg Roman that has his thumb on everything, which makes sense. He's offensive call play caller. He's offensive coordinator, but where's the innovation coming from? So I do think that it's stagnated. It's, I feel like it has run its course a little bit. I'm not saying, Oh my God, you got fire this guy. He does still do some nice things. Like I said, in the run game, he just has never developed that second pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what it kind of has just felt like. And like you said, kind of tapers off every throughout the year. I'm just even looking up the stats. He's 13th in EPA per drive. That's what this offense feels mm-hmm. like. It, like I said, between 11 and, and 18 or 19. Mm-hmm. So like 13th, like right there is about where that this offense feels like. And I'm just always waiting for that next step. Mm-hmm. And that's the other thing. I'm talking about both sides of my mouth because there have been injuries. They have no receivers. Like they're they're playing Demarcus Robinson, all these snaps, yes. all these targets. He was a receiver four last year for the last couple of years for the mm-hmm. Chiefs. It, that's that's the issue too, is that they haven't given him maybe a full slate of weapons. Mm-hmm. But when he's had those weapons, there's still been these kind of blemishes with the offense and frustrations. And I do think that the more they put it on tape, teams, other teams get a beat on what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. When they do this formation, they're running this. When they get into this situation, they're running this. Mm-hmm. Um, when they're an empty, we can just simulate pressure them. That's what the Panthers mm-hmm. did. Every time they're an empty, they brought a simulate pressure and they got a free runner. Mm-hmm. And whenever it's the Lamar do something funny, like, you know, Har- Harpo Marks uh, line, like that's what it feels like with this offense. I, w- I would say that about Kyler and Cliff Kingsbury, and that's how it kind of feels with this offense. right? Yeah, now. I think the Ravens are better running the football 
um, than the Cardinals are when they they're calling design runs or anything. That that's also <laughs> true. At least they have one they have one strength, and that, that's I do want to credit him for that. But it's just this thing is that we've had the same frustrations with this offense now for since the MVP year, really. Yeah. Um, and so it's kind of like, okay, so now what, now what you got and, you know, NFL, what does it stand for? Not for long. <laughs> That's kind of what it feels like a little bit. Not, not for Lamar. Apparently it's also what the NFL <laughs> stands for. We think about the NFL championship. Um, I, I think they'll be fine, but yeah, I do think that at the very least some freshness in the passing game would be, would be nice. And, and, and be. like, like you said, I think the lack of receiving talent at wide receiver is a problem. I know that uh, last year, Lamar's numbers against the Blitz were terrible. And this year, first three games of the year, he was much better. He was number one in the NFL in against the Blitz. And then since then, eh, back to like 27, 28. And I just think, yep. you know, like teams are worried about Lamar getting past the Blitz and running, but I don't think there's a receiver in this offense ahead of Mark Andrews that teams are worried about, you know, running free if they Blitz and don't get home. Yeah. And that's the thing with Mark Andrews. He's different than he gets grouped with him a lot, or I, I, maybe just in my own head canon uh, with, with Travis Kelsey. They can be more different as tight ends, mm-hmm. as far as receiving tight ends. Kelsey is an X receiver. He runs a full route tree. Andrews is more of a, he's a mover. Like that's why he is on all, all those over routes is because mm-hmm. he's a good athlete and he, he can win those. He can win against man coverage consistently. And then the thing with Mark Andrews is he's your best weapon, but he also volleyball sets about half the passes that come to him. So it's like, there's not that there's just not those easy buttons as far as play calls. And there's no easy buttons as far as weapons for Lamar where it's like, Hey, it's third and four, just run this guy on a stop route and let him, you know, <laughs> let him backdoor, you know, let him pin this guy mm-hmm. and let him, you know, post him up mm-hmm. and we'll just pin it right on him. Everything has to be on the move. So that, yeah, again, talking about both sides of my mouth, but you're just always waiting for that second thing from them. Okay. So you mentioned Travis Kelsey. You did the professional segue this time because we'll talk about the Chiefs now. And let's talk about Travis Kelsey because you've been around more NFL players than I've been. And I I want to ask you about Travis Kelsey because watching Travis Kelsey, especially at this age, like, yes, he is a great athlete. He is an NFL player. It's not like he has 4-2 speed. And yet right. I watched the Chiefs-Rams game. And I saw Travis Kelsey run away from Jalen Ramsey when Jalen Ramsey was the closest man in coverage on Travis Kelsey. That should not be possible. And yet I saw it happen with my own eyes. So, Nate, how how does Travis Kelsey do it? How does he get open all the time? It's unbelievable. I think he has probably just incredible core strength. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I think that's his superpower. He... I used to play this game like on the freaking Sega Genesis and it, it, it had um, like you, it was a mech game and I couldn't even tell you what it's called, but it, I remember I got really excited because it was two players mm-hmm. and you could play, it was co-op and I was like, Oh my God. But how it was co-op was one person controlled the legs and the other person controlled oh, no. the top. That was the game. And yeah, so I didn't really play much of that game with my friend, but having said that, that's how Travis Kelsey moves. Mm-hmm. Like the lower half and the upper half are two different components uh, that can move. And that play against Jalen Ramsey is ridiculous because Ramsey presses the crap out of him and Kelsey just continues to move forward. He he has that unbelievable body control and strength and core strength. And he finally shakes Jalen Ramsey while also selling a route. That, that play call was similar to the Fortson catch uh, against the Chargers. It was 13 personnel. 
they put uh they put him out the forts in on the speed motion and he runs a like a wheel route or switch vertical <laughs> and they have kelsey instead of running a sail route they have him running across the field mm-hmm. so it was it was like a play off that but it's it was kind of cool to see that kind of like oh here's another play out of this look mm-hmm. but kelsey is just ridiculous i also think another thing is his legs are a little fresher mm-hmm. um speaking of forts in they also use noah gray a lot mm-hmm. they have he's playing the fewest snaps of his career since the second year of his wow. career um, yeah, I think 80% right now. And I think at his second year of his career, he played like 66%. Mm-hmm. And and they're using a lot of you know 12 personnel without him in there. I wouldn't say a lot, but a chunk, about a half dozen plays a game mm-hmm. with Gray and Fortson. They're giving him a little bit more of a breather. They are not having him just, hey, get mugged up as the lone <laughs> receiver all the time. They're trying to like high, help him out a little mm-hmm. bit. So I think that's really there. He's able to stay fresh. And so when they do target him, he's able to be like, be Travis Kelsey. Yes. It really helps. <laughs> yes. I mean, it, it's just ridiculous. I mean, in terms of his consistency, in terms of his health at a position where nobody stays healthy, Ever. like you get rare, like yeah. Tony Gonzalez might be the rare exception, but Kelsey's missed, I believe I'm counting here. And this could be including week 17 games, one, two, three games since his rookie season when he was out for the That's entire crazy. year with microfracture surgery. Um, just unreal. And I, I quoted the stat before the year, and I feel very stupid because he's going to blow it away, but this is Travis Kelsey's age 33 season. Last time a right. tight end 33 or older had a 1,000-yard season was 1965. Um, oh, my goodness. And Travis Kelsey, that- well, who was it? Do you, if you know who it was, was it- I will I will PayPal you 20 bucks right now. Was it Ditka? It was not Ditka. It was a guy, oh, okay. it was a guy on the Eagles. It was a guy on the 1965 Eagles. Okay. I, Almost regretted putting that out there because you might know the answer to this, of all people. 65 Eagles. 65 Eagles. The guy's name is Pete Retzlaff, 34-year-old oh, no. Pete Retzlaff. <laughs> uh, nor, nor, oh, yeah. Dicka was, was drafted in what, like 60? I think around like there, that, yeah. So yeah. Pete Retzlaff yeah, went yeah, to so. both North Dakota, Ellendale, and South Dakota State. So he really <laughs> hit, hit both Dakotas on his way to the NFL. But he had an uh, almost 1,200-yard season as a tight end, as a 34-year-old, the last person to that. Dicka was drafted in 1961. 61 okay in the the i'm actually pretty proud a top 10 pick in the nfl and the afl draft that year that's right Um, that's right but yeah hard to do rookie record till kyle pitts came along or something like that or the only other rookie tight end have a thousand yards or something like that yeah and then unlike kyle pitts mike dicker didn't just disappear into the void in his sophomore season (laughs) i still like the falcons offense even though i know i know Pitts doesn't get the touches everyone wants. I still like the yes. offense. Now he's not getting any touches because now he's out for the year, sadly. He's out. Um, so if you were a defensive coordinator, Nate, you probably can't stop Travis Kelsey, but what would you do to try and slow him down or make him be – make him in the situations where the Chiefs want to get him the ball, you know, the red zone most notably, what would you do to take him out of the game if you could? I, I would watch that Bengals AFC Championship game. <laughs> Just drop eight? The, the, uh, drop eight and run two man and they and how they did it and the bills copied it this year when they played this year which yep. is I, I thought very interesting so but then it, that's always thing with Mahomes and the chiefs they always figured it out like as that game went along they started to find some answers for it but um that's that's the best way i've found that you have to run two man or one robber which is you know plays off a of two man you drop eight to flood the lanes for everybody mm-hmm. else you know so the other weapons are a little more crowded um but on top of it you mug them up. You got to beat the crap out of them. Uh, Trey flowers last year, the Bengals, like that is, he was the 
Kelsey beater. Mm-hmm. Like you, you watch flowers against anybody else. It was like, Oh my God, why is this guy still playing? And then you watch him against Kelsey and his job was just to beat the crap out of him. <laughs> it was like, it was like a goon in hockey like that. That's kind of what he felt like. And so I think that's the only way you slow him down. He's always going to get his touches somehow, some way, mm-hmm. um, especially in high leverage situations. You brought up the red zone and third down. I mean, he's still incredible in those situations, but you just got to make it tough and you just got to try and get him frustrated. Um, it's, it was amazing last year though, when teams started really beating him up a lot too, man. And he gets, he never got flags called for him. It was like with Shaq. You know, Shaq would never get like guys would just be jumping on top of Shaq and he would get like maybe one out of 10 calls. Like that's how Kelsey felt a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah. That I remember that there was a third down where Flowers, there was like a weird pass from Holmes. It came out of his hand weird and Flowers, def- like Flowers defensed it and it still kind of felt a little bit like PI, but Kelsey didn't get the call, which a lot of things went wrong in the second half of that game. I don't think I'm going to pick right. one of them as, as one fault. Um, <laughs> I'm sure Kelsey's part of this answer for you, but in terms of this offense on the whole, I mean, you've had now three months to kind of look at what they do post Tyreek Hill, and they've had some injuries, so they've had to change things here and there. But on the whole, Nate, how have the Chiefs been able to adapt to losing Tyreek Hill and kind of move forward without skipping a beat? So they have this guy named Patrick Mahomes. Yes. And he's really good. Sure. Um, but more in a schematic way, they uh, I mentioned that, you know, just the use of other tight ends. And I think that has been a, a way that they have found better looks um, for the offense and hitting, you know, getting making it easier on Mahomes and maybe dialing up plays for other players outside of Kelsey. I think they still call some RPOs, but they're not as reliant on them. Mm-hmm. I think last year, especially at the end of the season, this was my frustration against the Bengals. Well, I, rem- I, I remember. I, yeah, I know you did. <laughs> I called some. Who did I call? You, an call, you called Sam Hubbard a very nasty name. I'm sorry, Sam. Uh, I know, but uh, yeah, but that's because they were just they would call an RPO, and Mahomes was just automatically thrown, Ooh. even though they were having the best run looks. And now they're actually handing the ball off, mm-hmm. and I think that is what it's really helped. And I think also passing game wise, they like I think this last game against the Rams, mm-hmm. uh, just personnel wise, so. Other teams, the other defenses, they treat Kelsey like a receiver. Mm-hmm. And so that's why that matters. If they go 12 personnel with two tight ends, defenses treat it like 11 personnel. So how do you get big bodies on the field? You go 13 personnel. Mm-hmm. And I think that has really helped them. It's just, it's not a ton of plays. Usually it's about maybe 15 to 20% of their plays. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they don't even do it, but it's a way to create better passing game looks because there's bigger bodies on the field. This last game against the Rams was the first time that they had uh, more plays out of other personnel than 11 this entire season. Really? At 31 plays of 12 personnel, they had 30 plays of 11 personnel, and they had 11 plays of 13 personnel. So 42 outside of 11 personnel. Mm-hmm. And against the Chargers, the same kind of thing. They had, what I'm just doing quick math, they had, <laughs> okay, they had 29 plays out of 12 and 13 personnel, mm-hmm. and they had 31 plays out of 11 personnel. Mm. And so I think why that matters too is that they found different run looks. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are running more counter. This they year. literally started um, the season with counter. Yeah, they really did. They they finally I was I've scoured all these uh, the preseason games where they're in I formation trying to find what they're going to do. And like it, it's kind of funny is that they have run counter this year. God, I had the math on this. Yeah, there we go. So they have run counter this year thirty four times. Mm-hmm. Um, last year they ran it thirty nine times the entire season. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're already almost at that that number. Before the bye week, uh, they ran about 12% of the time. After the bye week, they run at 21% wow. of the time. 
So they're really they're slowly finding these runs. Also having uh, a different running back that can actually yes. take advantage of these runs has helped. Yes. Uh, but also it's just Mahomes playing freaking phenomenal and and taking taking what the easy stuff, creating when he needs to. Mm-hmm. Um, Andy Reid's done a great job, I think, of just you know he's always a really good play designer, yes. but I think not falling into the trap that Andy Reid falls into. Mm-hmm. But it's a long story short to say. Patrick Mahomes is really good and that they have found some maybe cleaner looks for him. And mm-hmm. makes sense. I have a breaking rumor, not breaking news, but a breaking I heard rumor. You say, Oh yeah. That was what the, Ooh was for related to our conversation from a few minutes ago. Cordia Stewart Mandel of the athletic Stanford has talked with Ravens offensive coordinator, Greg Roman about its coaching oh, vacancy. My. Roman was on Jim oh. Harbaugh's Stanford staff in 2009 to 2010. Oh my um, Uh, I also have a quote tweet from our friend Benjamin Solak, who saw this and said, quote, unquote, please, Lord in heaven. Yes. (laughs) I have kind of similar. Actually, (laughs) uh, Sam Schwartzstein sent the old uh, uh, wristband of all the plays that they used to have. And I was like, oh, God, it was like 200 and something plays (laughs) each, each, each game in college. And then he was we were DMing each other and he goes, and what's funny is that we spent a whole second half calling two plays. <laughs> so so we have two hundred and something plays in the on our call sheet and we only called two of them. It's like, yeah, that Stanford guys, you guys, you know, you overstudy. <laughs> there was a there was a uh it was Tommy Reese, the Notre Dame OC, yeah. where he was upstairs and wanted to come downstairs to celebrate. And I think like they weren't gonna gonna get the ball back. Like I think the game was basically over and I think uh, one of his assistants was like, what do we do if we're calling a play and you're in the elevator? And he's like, ah, just call duo, whatever. Yeah, so, that's right. That's the default, I guess. I, I had a, a to my own horn, had a similar, my senior year of college had something similar. Coach Chris came down, uh, Paul Chris. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were blowing out Penn State, mm-hmm. I believe, in the last game. And same thing. He wanted to come down. You know, we won the Big Ten West the first year of the Big Ten West. Or, or no, that might have been Legends. It was Legends and Leaders. <laughs> at that point in time and we're winning and he came down and same thing happened we got a turnover i think we had a call play and we just went 22 personnel and ran like a uh a pin pole play over and over so same exact thing though i was like just run rig run run rig that's what we called it just run rig it was like everybody knows it we have the backups in there they can run it yes <laughs> so that was my that was my own way of doing that yes fair pick pick, yeah. pick your favorite one concept just run it over yep. and over again they'll, they'll stop it eventually but it doesn't matter This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there is no competition. And right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a Jets Pizza location near you. Again, try Jets Signature 8 Corner Pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza, better because it has to be. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, speaking of teams running their favorite run concepts over and over again, let's talk about Tennessee. 
Um, and the Tennessee Titans, who I'm, I'm being harsh, they don't run the same run concept over and over again. <laughs> it just kind of looks that way with Derrick Henry. Uh, but I will say, this was a interesting game for the last week. I know you watched Bengals and Titans closely. Uh, you had a lot of thoughts about the Bengals on the athletic football show and how they have morphed um, and won games in different ways, which I think was really valid and a really good point. Um, but what they did in this game that was really effective seems pretty straightforward. They didn't let Derrick Henry run the ball very far. They had the one long reception, of course, but 38 rushing yards for Derrick Henry on 17 carries. Now, I know every defense would love to do that, easier said than done, but from Tennessee's perspective, looking at this offense under Todd Downing, do you think they can function and win games when Henry doesn't have a big game on the ground? I no, not really. Yeah. <laughs> uh it's so it's so based on that run game and him him at least being somewhat effective. He doesn't have to have the the big, you know, 30 touches for 200 yards games, but he has to be at least somewhat effective. Um, it's one of those, the receivers, I actually think their receiving group is pretty good outside of AJ, not pretty good, but just a little better mm-hmm. than maybe I was going to give him credit for. Robert Woods is still useful. Traylon Burks has actually been more kind of consistent uh, early in his career than I thought he was. I thought he was going to be a big project. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, now he's kind of, they, they're using him in the right ways. Nick uh, Westbrook, Ayin mm-hmm. has been okay. Mm-hmm. He actually is like useful now. And then same with Austin Hooper. They have a lot of useful players, but not a lot of, you know, stars. Right. So you're not going to, you're not really scared of a lot of those guys. Traylon Burks may be down the road, but that's what the team is. They're based on how Derrick Henry can go. Like last week, they play a really tough run defense in the Bengals. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad you mentioned that with the Bengals. I'm like stunned how much I like what they're <laughs> doing right now. I was, I mean, I, I'm stunned. Uh, I'm, I went from like one of their biggest critics to one of their biggest like fans right now, mm-hmm. but well, yeah, we'll see once they hit the slew the last couple months. But I, I really just think what the Titans is they are effective. This team is a great situational team. They're great in the red zone on defense. They're great on third down. So mm-hmm. they do maximize their opportunities, mm-hmm. but it's, when they the in between stuff is really hard, mm-hmm. so they they that creamy filling in the middle is not not it's not always great. Sometimes it's just single stuff as opposed to the double mm-hmm. stuff that you want uh, or fair. mega stuff. Fair. I think they have now. So yeah, long story short is eh, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, that's a fair point though, and I mean, I think Traylon Burks has shown some stuff over the past couple of weeks. I know his his numbers on a route per route basis have improved, but they're also not comfortable playing him every down. You know, AJ Brown had a surprisingly limited role in the offense as it went on and i feel like they're at the very beginning of that process with traylon burks and which we knew that's right. what, that was his mo coming in so yeah right you mentioned the Bengals run defense and how they did a yeah. good job here's your opportunity nate tell me why the tennessee run defense is so great this season they they got a whole lot of ass kicks. uh it's <laughs> that's simple it really is. They got some dudes. Uh, it's funny to me, and I mentioned this on our show, um, was that there? it's been the proliferation, as as Robert put it, the stalification of the defenses in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And it's funny that the one team that kind of runs this too high defense best and actually knows the type of players you need has been the Titans. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of these guys with the Fangio backgrounds, they're running these really light boxes. But at the same time, they're, if you run on them, uh, watch the Browns defense, watch the Chargers defense, mm-hmm. uh, unless they play the Bucs. <laughs> really. 
Um, but you watch these, you watch these defenses and you can just run for them six, seven yards a pop. And just cause they have light bodies and light boxes, it's not a great combo. Mm-hmm. The Titans play with these light boxes and they got tier tart and Jeffrey Simmons <laughs> who are both fantastic tier tart. Jeffrey Simmons has been great this year mm-hmm. and first round pick, but tier tart's been just as good. I mean, I would say just as good, but maybe 90% as good. Mm-hmm. He is one of the best kind of run plugging defenders in the league right mm-hmm. now. And when you're going to play those light boxes, that matters because they eat up blocks and they and create explosive plays for the defense mm-hmm. as far as TFLs and yep. stuff. Um, David Long yeah. is a legit Pro Bowl candidate. Uh, not He went from like, oh, this is a fun player. Now that he's been healthy this whole year, that dude is so much fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, so smart. So he cleans up the messes and anything. He stays clean also because the guys are so good. Of course. And then also on the outside, they don't have the bendy 235 pound guys. They have Mario Williams, they have Bud Dupree, they have these 270, 280 pound guys mm-hmm. that push. Um, awesome. it's kind of funny to me that Mike Vrabel, of all people, we've seen these Belichick guys try over the years try to recreate what they do in England, New England. Mm-hmm. And Vrabel has kind of used that same kind of pocket pushing mindset, mm-hmm. but with just more athletic guys. Yeah. So it's yeah, they just got a lot of ass kickers and they play smart. <laughs> it's it's a great combination. And you didn't even mention Danico Autry, I don't think. I did not mean, no, that's God. That's everybody's hipster favorite. since <laughs> the Gulf war. Like that. <laughs> oh my God. Someone did that. He was underrated. He's become the, what your former boss said, what used to say he's, he was so underrated. He's now overrated. Mm. <laughs> Autry is really good though. He is Don't good. get me wrong. Yes. But, but yes, yes, he is a very good player for sure. And I mean, they get, con- they get contributions from everybody. I mean, you guys love talking about the random players. They'll sign off the street who play meaningful snaps uh, a week later and play well. Yes. They're well coached. They, they, it, just like their offense, they, they take advantage of the situations they get put in. They don't beat themselves mm-hmm. too much. Now, a team that doesn't seem to lose to anybody under any circumstances. Uh, we'll finish up with the Miami Dolphins, who are undefeated, of course, with Tua Tango Vailoa as their starting quarterback. We can either start with the controversial question or end with the controversial question. I'll start with it. Why not? If, nice. if Tua is healthy, for the rest of the year on a game-by-game basis do you think the dolphins have been good enough in the games he's played to belong on the same tier with the chiefs i think they are a good team but they are not in that tier Mm -hmm. i still think it's chiefs are number one i still think bills are number two even though apparently bills fans hate their offensive coordinator right now which stung (laughs) i think ken dorsey's done a great job this year he's actually been more effective than dable ever was um but i think those it's those two and then a cut and then the Dolphins. But I will, I do want to credit what the Dolphins have been doing. Um, they also have the second hardest schedule remaining by DVOA, mm-hmm. I believe, um, which can really show. I would think this game this weekend against the 49ers yep. is going to be such a great, like, prove it. Prove Absolutely. It. They've played some, I, I'm trying to be nice here, but they've played some <laughs> soft, soft teams the last few weeks, um, especially their offense against certain defenses. Yep. But, you know, I, I think if they can prove it against this 49ers team, I'm going to be like, okay, all right, I, I got to give you a little bit more credit. Maybe you're not two, but you're maybe tier one and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, the defense is, I think, just fine, and I do think they're improving, but the defense does have me a little – I think you can you can score on them mm-hmm. um, fairly. I mean, but they have improved. But I just think I really want to see this offense because especially they're going against Fred Warner, mm-hmm. who uh, I, I just wrote in my – my my i'm such a hack i just stole you, you did the quarter awards i do the third that's fine third awards for the athletic i didn't invent um, awards you are allowed to do that 
<laughs> I use the same premise as you, that's though. Fine. Like I, even the structure that's of everything. Fine. But um, I did. I found a great stat with Fred Warner is that because it's so hard to describe what an effective player he is, mm-hmm. and and so I looked at stats between throws between six and fifteen yards because the 49ers love to play in quarter shells, yep. and Fred Warner has the man in the middle. Like he is the man in, man in the middle yes. there, and throws between six and fifteen yards all. 49ers opponents when Fred Warner was not been on the field. So when they play other teams or he is on the field, mm-hmm. it's about a 60, I believe 67% success rate mm-hmm. passing the ball. Yep. When Fred Warner's on the field, it drops about 18%. <laughs> he, uh, the EPA, I believe, draw, goes from like point low point twos to point oh eight. Wow. Like he basically cuts in uh cuts in two thirds. Wow. He is and why that matters is nobody throws over the middle more than Tua. Mm-hmm. 25% of his throws are between 10 and 22 numbers between the numbers. The next highest is Mariota at 15%. Mm-hmm. And that's because all the play action stuff. So if they can prove it against this defense, against uh, the guy with the Rosetta stone yeah. of this offense, then we might see, I might you know start crowning him a little bit. More. Yeah. It's going to be harder to move Fred Warner than it is going to be to move other linebackers uh, to create those, those slants in those posts. Can you name a Texans linebacker? <laughs> is Dylan Cole still on the Texans? I, I, I honestly, I watch every team and I can't even tell you. I'm going to look it up. I don't feel confident. Oh, he's still in the league. No, he's on Tennessee. He's on Tennessee. <laughs> of course he is. Oh, so frustrating. <laughs> of course he is. Stealing talent. Christian Kirksey. Christian Kirksey. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Hill is not on the Texans. That is one wow. of the more many controversies surrounding the Texans this year. Christian Kirksey is playing for Houston and he's He's fine. I mean, I don't know. I don't have any like what I, trashing the Texans just seems like it's a waste of time and unfair. Like I don't want to be mean. It's very much punching down. That's what <laughs> that's what the Dolphins did last week. They punched down on the Houston Texans. And you mentioned the schedule, and I think that's the the tough part with the question I want to ask you about the defense because the pass rush was a problem. They go out and they add Bradley Chubb. The numbers are better. They look better on tape, but. They've played the Bears, the Browns, and the Texans over the past three weeks, which means you've right. played Justin Fields, who has one of the highest sack rates in football history after you adjust for era. Jacoby Brissett, who I would say has strengths, but does yeah. take a fair amount of sacks here and there. And Kyle Allen, who had like a 10% sack rate before this Dolphins game in his career and did nothing to change that with how he played. I, I'm done with Kyle Allen, by the way, after that game. Yes. It's, it's one of those where it's like, oh, yeah, you're you're you. you. Never seen it. Yeah, you're you. <laughs> That's exactly it. And I mean, not that Davis Mills is much better, but you right. get the idea. I mean, these are, these are quarterbacks who take a ton of sacks to begin with. So do you think the improvement with Chubb is real, or are you still kind of holding out until you see them play these better offenses like the Niners, the Chargers, and the Bills over the next few weeks? I'm holding it out as far as against the pass. I do think the run improvement against the run has been very real. And I think Mm -hmm. that's where Chubb's strengths are. I think he's a good run defender and I think he's a versatile defender. Um, I think he's a solid dropper, uh, especially when he would be with the Broncos this year, especially they, I think they lead the league in simulated pressures Mm -hmm. and he would have to drop a lot. And I think he's pretty good at that for such a large body. Um, And at at week eight, the Dolphins were 23rd and run DVOA. Mm -hmm. Now they're 12th. And I do attribute that some of that to, to Chubb. I attribute some of that to Christian Wilkins playing very well this year. Mm-hmm. I believe he's tied for first in TFLs and run stops. Um, but I think against the pass, it's I'm definitely waiting <laughs> because I've seen what they, they can get gashed because they are, they could be aggressive. Mm-hmm. They, they like the cover zero looks. Um, and, but I, I, so I'm still holding out on that, but I do think against the run, they're definitely improved after the Bradley Chubb. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just getting bodies out there 
is going to help. And Chubb is a, a talented player for sure. Um, I'll finish up with this. We'll talk about the, about the national team for a minute as well. But in terms of the Dolphins offense, obviously, I think it's exceeded everybody's expectations. Yeah. But given your expectations about what the scheme would look like or, or what the offense would look like, what's been different versus maybe what you would have expected heading into the year? I I knew they would run play action. I mean, we know that. Yeah. <laughs> it's a Shanahan guy. Tua, Tua makes a living off that. I didn't think it would be this heavy it's over uh, he leads the league in play action uh dropbacks i believe mm-hmm. uh but i would say the pleasant surprise to me and this is where i think the super weapon is not only just the clean looks over the middle and having tyree hill and waddle is that the pushing the ball on third and fourth down mm-hmm. and it really reminds me of the alex smith in 2017 with the chiefs mm-hmm. when all of a sudden they just went bombs away <laughs> on third and fourth down they also had tyree kill so that makes a little bit of sense mm-hmm. uh but it, that's what I, I've been pleasantly surprised that with Tua, uh, when you have a passing concept, especially uh, a deeper one, is there's one route usually labeled as an alert, and it's a way for coaches to say, uh, "Oh, the alert's not number one. You just have to alert it when you think you got it." Mm-hmm. And it's a way for coaches to always have that caveat of going, "Why didn't you throw the alert? <laughs> Why didn't you check the alert?" And it's like, "Well, it's not number one. Number one's the over. Number one's the dig, or mm-hmm. something like that." Um, the alert is very live in this Dolphins offense, mm-hmm. especially on third and fourth down. Two is seventh in air yards in third and fourth yep. down, but he's 33rd in time to throw amongst quarterbacks with 150 more attempts. Mm-hmm. So he is getting the ball out quick and launching it. And that's been the surprise to me. Uh, Tua, yes, people make jokes about his arm strength. He knows what he is, sure, but he knows he has to get rid of the ball quick. But I just didn't think he would push it that much. I thought it'd be a lot more of the intermediate stuff. Mm-hmm. So that has been the surprise. Yes, it makes sense because they have Tyreek and Waddle, but I thought those would be a lot of yak yards and mm-hmm. they do get those, but the true launch balls, especially on true passing downs has been the pleasant surprise to me. Um, I, I would say the one, the Lions game had a couple of these. Mm-hmm. I would say the game against the bills was the one that stands out in my mind. He hit waddle on a seven up is the route. It's a fake corner post mm-hmm. and it's an alert and he launched it. And that, that was like, and it was like third and 14 at midfield. And he's rather than just like, check it down. Let's uh, kick the field goal. Mm-hmm. Yep worth alive let's let's launch it let's get these big plays so i think that's where it's been really i would say impressive um not only just with tua but with mike mcdaniel's understanding what he's got just going hey we got these guys let's let's use them Mm -hmm. speaking of someone who has these guys and has chosen to use them oh boy look at you should should we talk about greg and should we talk about the national team for a few minutes before we finish up let's let's talk about double g let's do it let's just start with this do we owe Greg Berhalter an apology? Oh, uh, no, no. Uh, I, w- I w- okay. After the England match, which, which we watched together and kind of like seeing how it broke down, I will give him credit for that one because he changed the formation and, and I, I think that was inspired. Mm-hmm. I think he understands that I actually in the first. Okay. So yes, I will give him some credit. I will say these second half of against Wales and the second half against Iran, mm-hmm. I said that right. Yes, Iran is that these it, it, getting into a shell like they have has been so frustrating. I mm-hmm. think he is playing how the U.S. teams of old would try to play mm-hmm. if they had a lead like that, mm-hmm. as opposed to a team that has this much attacking talent. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not. It's not. It's a different. It's a new age, uh, a new era with the U.S. talent. So I think that's where I'm frustrated. I think the Geo stuff. Something's. I think Geo might be more hurt than maybe we realize. Mm-hmm. But I, I. But then also, me and you have talked about this plenty. He's got Christian Pulisic taking corners and it's just like, 
God, it's like, stop it. I, I love him. I love Christian, but it's just enough with the corners, enough with the, the set pieces with him. That's not his strength. So that's the frustration with Greg. I do think he has some understanding, but then it's just, there's a lot to be desired. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now I'll play devil's advocate here. Yes. If I had told you, you always do this with me. I have to, if I told you before the tournament started, right. the U S would qualify. They would go undefeated in the group stage. Right. They would not allow a single goal right in open play wouldn't you say greg did a pretty good job i would i would i know i beggars can't be choosers right well i wouldn't say beggars can't be choosers but just like are are we, are we missing the forest for the trees here like the the biggest issue with this team heading into the tournament if you ask anybody who's paid attention to this team over the past couple of years I, I would say the striker might be number number. I'd say the striker was number two. I think yeah. number one was they do not have a back line that has played much together, and the center back right. pairing is a question mark. We don't know who what the best center back pairing is. There was major controversy that Tim Ream was even selected to be part of the national team, and he's played every minute. Tim Ream has played every minute. And like when they when they subbed when when they changed the pairing for the third match, it was not Tim Ream leaving the team. It was uh, no. it was Walker Zimmerman. It was, it was a it it has been very solid. There have been yes. very few moments where you've been like, oh no, something's gone horribly wrong. And when things have gone wrong, it has not been the the fault of this center back pairing. And I think. You know, it can always change. We could be sitting here after the, the match against the Netherlands and Tim Ream could let two goals slip through or play someone onside for a goal. It happens. But given how good England looked, um, has looked outside of the U.S. match, I think we have to right. give Greg and the the back four a lot of credit. They, they played really well throughout this entire tournament. I I agree. The, the, I, I, Des Sergino, I, I, I think, has been playing yeah. extremely well outside of even just his offense and stuff but as far as just being disciplined yep. he's not he's not doing flashy desk stuff that we saw sometimes in qualifying where it's like oh my god or just make the simple play <laughs> um no i agree and of course tyler adams has been incredible absolutely phenomenal that's i mean just I, I know we're gonna be biased for that but I, i've watched plenty of these other matches he has been not only just with leads but these, these these three matches in this World Cup, it's like holy crap! He is he's truly truly incredible at his position, yes. at his role. Um, but no, I I do. That's the thing is even in qualifying, they didn't give up. They rarely conceded goals, and it's like okay, this is what shouldn't we? There has to be some credit for them. I think it's just I I buy into the hype. I'm not. I won't say tactics is my strength with soccer. Sure. I I think I'm okay, but I watch it and I just think I think maybe it's like I was waiting for the fireworks factory. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, we're actually, we're a different type of team than maybe I expected mm -hmm. moments of brilliance, some counterattacking, you know, decent one-on-one -on -one play. Musa has, oh my God, been playing yes. that last match was incredible. Yeah. You sent me that clip. It's like, he faded a little bit at the end. I get sure. it. it's his birthday. He was probably excited. <laughs> um, but no, I, I do think there is, has to be credit. It's just that I think I'm like Millhouse waiting for the fireworks <laughs> factory a little bit, but that's the thing. I actually think this Netherlands game, Netherlands game is going to be so much fun because it's, we've played really you know all of CONCACAF or most of the games are against bunkers mm -hmm. where we play against whales like that was like that and iran that was like that so it's like maybe you see some of that more wide open play and i think that should be pretty pretty entertaining yeah and so i think there's gonna be a lot to it yeah i mean certainly with england you know it might have been the best performance one through 90 of the yes. three games from the u.s yeah. i think 
how many chances we had. Right. I mean, it was, and how yeah. few chances England had. You know, obviously yeah. there was a, a couple here and there, but it was wasn't like England. Right. England <laughs> England should be. England was creating a lot more chances against Wales and against right. Iran than they did against the US. And you know, I think it speaks to how sturdy the midfield has been. I think it speaks to mm-hmm. how sturdy the the back four has been, how how well Matt Turner's played. Um but yeah, I mean certainly it feels like you know, you want to see those fireworks and you want to see all the attacking talent get together. But I, I think, you know, we talked about this throughout the entire qualifying process. Right. And really every match messaging each other. Right. Right. But like every match, it was like, okay, well, we didn't have X or we didn't have Y. And imagine what it's right. going to be like when we have all those guys together. And Geo has still only played a few minutes with that core of players. I don't know if that, I, w- I would imagine that probably McKinney or or uh, Wayo were probably off when Geo came on. So maybe it hasn't been even a minute yet, but like we've had so few minutes throughout this entire process with all the dudes, all the guys who are supposed to be the young core of this team on the field at the same time. And now that they are playing significant minutes together in a meaningful competitive tournament, they're kind of good. Like, 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 you know, you can see why there was a little bit of hype. Like they're, they're legit. They are. And that's the thing is even some of the mistakes they make, like if it's, you know, Jedi, you know, bombing it a little too far yeah. on his first touch, but the mo- the sequences are, it's cool watching this team mature yeah. and seeing them be patient, just like I talked about deaths, but you can see them trying to do the right mm-hmm. things. And that has to be some of it coaching, mm-hmm. especially the England match. And again, you're right. You've talked me, you've talked me. I went from glass half empty to glass half full <laughs> in this conversation, but even in that one, you can see McKenney and Pulisic understand their roles yep. and understand, okay, I have to pay back. I have to track back and do this. Mm-hmm. I have to do the little things. Let's, let's go one, two play here, rather opposed to taking everybody on one-on-one mm-hmm. and that, and what has been the weakness with this team. And I think a lot of us know this is that they get chances, but we don't have the finish. Right. And that talks about the striker and everything. And that's still the same issue, but we knew that mm-hmm. like, what, what is Greg can't finish for them. No. So I, I do, I do agree with you on that, but and I do think the buildup play has been nice. I'm this, this matches, I think is gonna be really exciting. Cause I do think we have a chance because I do think we do a lot of the little things. And like you said, when you play, it's just like American football, you play good defense. It's going to keep you in every game. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how, that's what they did in qualifying too. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, Zimmerman when it was with Miles Robinson, mm-hmm. it wasn't like they barely even let up a goal. Like it was like they let up like one goal in X amount of minutes. It was pretty ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So that's that's been the strength of this team. Yeah. And so maybe they bad. And I think Matt Turner is is playing great as well. You know, I think it's just you, oh you feel real you just feel real safe. He's had a couple of long balls. Yeah. Uh, oh, the distribution's been great. Match. Yeah, it's so much better than I was expecting. He's not just booting it for for booting its sake <laughs> just hoofing it down as far as possible yeah yeah i'm not getting those prayer yards um <laughs> all right let's finish up with this i'm going to put you on the spot nate what what changes are you making to the u.s team to start against the netherlands assuming christian pulisic is able to play which by all accounts he says he's going to be able to uh for uh starting a striker yeah. or uh or bumping way over there and having geo at right wing or Aaron's at right wing. Mm-hmm. I think that, that that's how I would go about it. I think the midfield, you can't change it. They, they have such a good feel for each other right now. Um, especially when Weston doesn't try to do too much. <laughs> Weston is less is more and like, but he'll have the, Oh my God, that pass that got called offside. Yeah. It's like, God, he, he wants him like once a match, you'll have those passes mm-hmm. that are like brilliant. 
Um, but I, I, that's really, the, that's really it. I think you start Zimmerman and Reem, yep. uh, same, same right and left back. Uh, you can't change those two. And I, I, everybody else has played well. No one has really played poorly mm-hmm. enough. That you're like, oh, get him out of mm-hmm. here. Get him out of here. I it's can think like of that. one person who's played poorly this entire tournament. Was that Haji? Haji. Oh my God. Would you call him a Ponzi? <laughs> yes. God, that's funny. I mean, there's funny, more funny trying to see people try to figure out who you're talking about. Oh, I just, I don't know. I don't want to insult the player. Like, I I, everyone's playing their best, and it's it's everyone's dream. Like, it's so it's cool to be at a World Cup, but man, it right. just, just it's too much. It it's it, too much it just more. it just haven't seen it. Just I like he was a slightly controversial pick before the tournament yeah. and the arguments made I thought were valid, reasonable. Like, hey, he's a big, strong dude. He's going to be able to hold the right. ball up. Like, he's going to be able to compete physically. Like I can't. Could you imagine Pepe in those moments yesterday? I, and, and like, like anyone, like like Brandon Vasquez or Vasquez, Jordan yeah. Peefock, like yeah. like in in those moments, the things he was supposed to be good at, he was terrible at. He terrible. was a mess against Iran, which is not exactly like the the stiffest, sturdiest no. defense on the planet. So if that's why he was here, and he's not good at those things at this level. Right kind of feels like it was a waste and again if you want to make the case that Pepe wasn't ready fine if you want to make the case that you know Brandon Vasquez was not up to that caliber sure but if it was just we need someone who can get in the box and finish Jordan Peefock should have been that player absolutely it, no, sure. now granted Nate is this an incredible attempt to reverse jinx Haji right at scoring two goals yes but <laughs> he's the only player I where I feel like you sit here and say okay he does not have a passing grade for the World Cup so far. I, he hasn't played winning football. Uh, that that I agree with that. His, I, his EPA uh, per minute negative for the U.S. <laughs> I know you were pulling up the True Media soccer stats. I was like, what? I, I need some of that. Got, I need that. Action. We have a lot of stuff at ESPN. That's it's buried deeply in the, you have the, the corridors. Dots, most most importantly, the dots that those are like crack. Can we for, can we talk for, about? Oh, I'm going to finish up. Can we talk about Tony Romo using the dots and CBS calling it Romo Vision? Oh, my God. Well, and then Romo Vision, and he acts like it's the first time he's ever seen it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, do, what do we got here, Jim? Uh, yeah, it looks like cover two there. And uh, yeah, he, 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 uh, you got to love it. It was like me in college, just, you know, fake your way through it and get that B minus. <laughs> <laughs> I love Romo. If any, the, 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 the dots are not also mine. So the, the NFL next gen stats, I cannot take credit for them, but certainly they're the Barnwell. Dots. If you're using the dots, <laughs> someone else who has been a frequent contributor to this show, I'm not going to name names, but I'm noticing who can, uh, the dots are, they're not mine, but I get jealous when other people use them. Anyway, <laughs> Nate, where can people check out more of your work? Uh, at the athletic, uh, just one place, one stop shop. Now I will, I just had my thirties article because again, I'm a hack and that, that's Stop. what I called it. Uh, but yes, just came out. So it's my two thirds of the season awards, uh, with both the real awards and some arbitrary fake ones. That I just wanted to make up nice. just to talk to show that I watch line play. <laughs> um, also you can hear me on the athletic football show Sunday nights. Uh, we do, we're live on YouTube all the time and also wherever you find your podcasts and also on Thursdays. Same thing. Sometimes Thursday nights, but that's where you'll find me. Maybe on Twitch soon. Really? Uh, I, might, might go, I might. I might find a Friday or two and do it nice. once we get ramping up into playoff season. Yeah, I might. I might do it. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see how much sleep I get. I but, will you know. bully newfound father Nate Tyson to going on Twitch to break down plays because I really enjoyed that last year. I appreciate that. No, it was fun to do. I, I want to get back to it. It was just. Yeah, it's you know, there's always so many hours of the day, and there's my wife going like, you know, you can come out of the office once or twice. 
a busy so man. See. But yes. Nate Tice, thanks so much for taking time from the World Cup, from football, from parenthood to come on the show. Uh, thank you for having me. Always fun. All right. Thanks so much to my friend, Nate Tice. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Had to have a little U.S. national team discussion. I will admit a lot of my my waking time spent thinking about the U.S. men's national team right now. Hope you guys are enjoying the World Cup. Of course, hope you guys are enjoying the NFL season. We'll have more audio coming for you next week. So thanks so much for listening.